Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast with Amy Wheeler. We're a global community of yoga therapists and related professionals who are sharing our knowledge and experience with one another to make the world a better place for all of us to thrive. On this podcast, we have deep and thought-provoking conversations that we hope will nourish you and make you feel more connected to yourself and to others. Feel free to continue these conversations on our private Facebook group called Yoga Therapy Hour Podcast with Amy Wheeler. And listen at the end of the podcast each week as we'll be giving away a special gift. Remember, we have a mobile app coming out May 2nd, 2022 that tracks mental health and so much more using the foundations of yoga and Ayurveda. Today, I interview Robin Tiger, MD and CIAYT. And when I asked Robin to come talk about her work, I really wanted to highlight all the work that she's doing in healthcare, especially helping physicians with their mental health care, with their physical health, with their stress management, with their burnout. I just thought, we all need to talk about this, especially during COVID times. Robin gives in this interview some really striking statistics telling us just how difficult it is for our healthcare workers right now. So the primary purpose of today's episode is to really highlight the work that she's doing as a yoga therapist and a coach for physicians in helping them to live happier, healthier lives and deal with all of the stress that they're under. But what I didn't expect in this episode that just ended up being this major added bonus is that Robin has figured out how to run a very, very successful yoga therapy business. She has done it step-by-step. It's taken some time but now she's really getting some traction. She's really seeing the results of all of her labor. And so, you know, we run at Optimal State Yoga Therapy School, we run an 11 month business course specific to yoga and yoga therapy. And, you know, we take people through step-by-step, how do you start a business? How do you figure out who your clients are gonna be? How do you figure out your why? How do you figure out what products do you want to share with the world? How do you do the tech to get yourself hooked up and get that website or that landing page or those Facebook ads? And all of it is done with a community. And that's really the key. I mean, we can all figure this out on our own and pay really expensive prices to personal coaches if that's the route you want to go. But I think having those weekly meetings with your colleagues to keep coming back and getting ideas and and really doing it in a systematic way is the key to success. And it seems to me that Robin has been through all of this on her own. She figured it out and she is masterful. If you go to her website, www.stressfreemd.net, I looked at it earlier today and I immediately cut and copied it into the optimal state private Facebook group for our, our business team that we have. And I said, this is an example of someone who's running a magnificent business. 
She has figured it out and this is what it needs to look like. Use this as the template. So that was really the added bonus of this episode is Robin is so generous in telling us what it takes to run a business and create one and be successful as a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist. And I, I'm just so grateful that she was willing to be so generous and share that added bonus with us. So we start our business course, May 2nd, 2022. We started every May and it's 11 months. And once you're in the course, you can always be in it and repeat it. We have so many people that this will be their third year, meaning they paid once and now they're here a third time and they just keep coming back every Monday for the, the weekly coaching calls. They keep reviewing material, keep doing the workbooks. And, you know, after three years, they're starting to get some traction. And as Robin says in this podcast, it's not an overnight thing. It, it takes a little time and it's in the timing of the universe, not us. So to keep that motivation strong, to keep that mindset strong, sometimes you need a community, you need support. And that's what we do at Optimal State with our business program. So if you're interested in that, come to our website, contact us and send us a note and we'll send you the information. But in the meantime, I think Robin has done a beautiful job at giving you a one hour Cliff Notes version of how to find your niche, how to make a difference in the world, how to get paid for what you're doing and how to basically serve in a way that meets the needs of your chosen clientele. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and here's Robin Tiger. Welcome Robin. Thank you for coming today to help us understand more about you, your story, and how it is that you're practicing yoga therapy to help the world, especially healthcare providers. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. You know, I'm a huge fan of you. So this is truly an honor to be here. Mm, thank you. It's It's been my joy to do this podcast. I love interviewing interesting people like yourself. And so Robin, you are are an MD yourself. Is that right? Yeah. And I kind of want to just start with your story. Like what happened to you as an MD? And then how did you get interested in yoga therapy? And, and how did you end up doing kind of this niche of yoga therapy for, for physicians? Can you, that might be a long story. We'll have to have the, the shorter version, but can you just kind of take us through how this, this happened? Sure. So, uh, well, let's give it the Cliff Notes version. Um, <laughs> third grade, <laughs> a skeleton was the life size skeleton was brought out by my my third grade teacher, and then I looked at it and realized after she was explaining what that was that it wasn't a Halloween costume. It wasn't a Halloween decoration. That that was actually inside our bodies. So when I was eight years old. I became fascinated with the human body and that was actually when I wanted to become a doctor. And so fast forward many years later, I did just that. I went through college and medical school and did a year of internal medicine and uh, internship. I did four years of radiology residency and an extra year in fellowship in body imaging. And then I 
went off to begin practice in diagnostic radiology. And, you know, I think and still believe that practicing medicine is one of the greatest privileges out there. But I noticed over time that I was completely changing. I just didn't even recognize myself. At one point, I had unbelievable number of what I thought were disconnected symptoms, right? So mm-hmm. I was at that time, this is probably about 15 years ago or so, I was you know, married to an amazing man, still am, two great little kids. You know, on the outside, I had the house and the job and everything looked perfect, but I felt horrible on the inside. And mm. I had these like migraine headaches with intractable vomiting, you know, so bad that we had to cancel a Disney trip. You know, I, I had us in the wrong airline going to Jamaica one time because I had no focus and concentration. I had tinnitus so bad that I couldn't sleep and mm. I had vertigo. Somebody would just call my name and I'd turn my head and the entire room would spin. My gums were bleeding. I Uh had really horrible gastroesophageal reflux, you know, reflux with burning chest pain. My body hurt so badly. I felt like- How old were you at this point? So this is- Or how young? Probably, yeah, I was probably in my late 30s, early 40s at this point. I'm 56 right now. Mm -hmm. And- a really scary symptom was occurring in that I developed these intermittent paresthesias, which means I had this every so often I would lose sensation in my hands and my feet. I'd get numbness and tingling sometimes down part of my back. And that was really, really scary because as a physician, I immediately thought I had a debilitating neurologic disease because like what else would cause that? I'd be cutting up vegetables, trying to make a salad. I couldn't feel the knife in my hand. I'd be doing a breast biopsy and I'd go to pull the trigger on the biopsy gun. And I just, I couldn't feel the biopsy gun in my hand. You know, I'd have to wait for this to pass before I could then function again. So that was terrifying. And I couldn't sleep. I was eating terribly. I had poor digestion, no appetite, really just lost self sense of self and self-worth and had very, really scary thoughts. I started to have these thoughts that I don't even know if I want to be here thoughts, right? Mm. Like I I didn't have a plan that I wanted to do to hurt myself, but it was just, oh, if I could just didn't have to wake up feeling this way again. And And, so were you working like 70 hours a week or what was, what was the work-life balance like at this point? Yeah, I was actually job sharing. So I was sharing a job with another female radiologist and my husband is a physician and he was working full time and we had two little kids and a dog and I was busy in my community and I was busy at the school being the room mom and I was on every medical board and Mm. you name it, I was yesing everything. So I was very, very over scheduled, over worked, (laughs) really um, overstretched. And um, I saw lots of doctors right? So I went to a doctor for every symptom I had. I saw a gastroenterologist, they put me on pills. I saw a neurologist, they put me on pills. I saw um, a periodontist who was injecting all kinds of antibiotics in my gums. You know, mm. I, every everything you can imagine, I was taking pills for, and I was having negative imaging studies, and I was seeing a mental health care professional, and I wasn't getting better. Yeah. And what was really, really scary, Amy, besides my own symptoms, is that at this point, 
I had lost two of my three physician colleagues to suicide. Mm. So I just was seeing myself going down that same path. And it was terrifying. You know, here I'm a Western medicine trained physician and I'm trusting what I had learned in my education. I'm trusting my colleagues, but nobody could diagnose what was going on with me. They were all seeing me as a specific symptom, but nobody could actually have that bird's eye view and figure out what the problem was. And so that was rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And so then what happened? And so then <laughs> like what happened? my seat. <laughs> yeah. Then what happened is something amazing. So what happened then was, you know, I said I could do one of two things. I could continue down this path, knowing where it was taking me, or I could try and figure out what was going on with me and just try and open my mind to other things outside of what I'd already learned as a Western medicine trained physician. And at that time, nobody was really talking about anything I was feeling. Right? I thought I was alone. I thought I was all by myself in all of this. And I started seeing some advertisements, some descriptions, whether it be in magazines, whether it be newspapers, whether it be television, media, about things like yoga, things like meditation. And me being a gym rat, you know, always training for races and always at the mm. gym, had lots of preconceived notions about what all that was. And a lot of people have these notions that I thought, which were, you know, people turning themselves into crazy shapes and upside down, people, you know, saying weird things, listening to weird music, wearing weird clothes, lots of spandex, right? Um, I had thoughts of people sitting uncomfortably for long periods of time, you know, all of these things. That's what I thought those people were doing in that room down the hall in the gym that I couldn't really see, but I just imagined it I'd be on the treadmill. Yeah. Why would I do that? I'm a, I'm, I'm cool. I'm a gym rat. Like I, I know what those people are doing. I'm not doing that stuff. Right. Eye rolling, lots of eye rolling <laughs> when I would think about it. Right. <laughs> so I was really, and that was me. And I know lots of people listening, um, who are in the yoga world or who are not, and are interested are probably saying that was me. I thought that, or, um, I think that now, so I want to hear what she has to say about it. And I, uh, again, I saw so much about yoga and meditation coming up and I, there was this yoga 101 five week series at a studio near my home. And I must've seen it for weeks. And I was like, eh, no, eh, no, like over and which, over again, which that itself is a key point for our listeners that <laughs> people have to see this 10 times, 15 times yeah. before it finally chips away to say yes. Yeah. Research yeah. shows that you must, it's called six touches. You must at least see something six times before your brain actually processes it and recognizes it. So it's very interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. Um, but I, I kept looking at it and my next door neighbor was a nurse and I grabbed her and I said, Hey, you know, do you want to get out of the house and try this yoga thing? And she was like eye rolling at me, you know? <laughs> and I said, if it's terrible, I promise we'll leave, right? We'll leave and I'll take you out to dinner. So at the very least, we'll get out of the house. We'll get a good meal out of it. Nothing will be lost, right? So she said, sure. And so we eye rolled our way <laughs> into the studio and, um, you know, I walked in and I just uh, felt so uncomfortable. I just, it was completely out of my, out of my zone. I didn't see any treadmills or dumbbells or anything that I was used to seeing. And it was this very informal 
class where there was a lot of question and answer going back and forth. Um, things were explained in a very methodical, scientific way, specific things which my brain liked. And at the end of the very first session, there was this unbelievable shift. Like I felt calm and I felt clear. Like I just felt like the whole world stopped. You know, I had this very busy day at work. I came home, I was rushing around with my kids. It was everything in my power to get this class on nighttime on time. And, but everything was clear and I was calm. And I just was like, what happened? <laughs> you know, like what just That's happened? That's the moment, right? That was the moment. That was the moment. And so I remember driving home and just, I didn't even know what to do with it. So what do you do when you're a very scientific minded person? You, you start reading and researching. Like what just, just happened to me? Like, what what, what could happened? have possibly caused that sensation in my body and mind? Yeah. What yeah. created all that space? What, what happened? And so that was the beginning of my research into what happened. And I continued with that five week series and I started reading, reading more about it. And I started to see that there was a tremendous amount of documentation in the medical literature about what I experienced. And as I continued that five week series, and as I continued after that, continuing at the studio, trying many different flavors of yoga, getting into meditation, my symptoms started to get better. And I came to understand that the diagnosis that every single doctor missed was the diagnosis that I figured out was that I was suffering from a severe case of chronic stress. And that I was learning, as I know you talk about in some of your other episodes, how to regulate my autonomic nervous system through the tools that we learn in yoga. And I was so fascinated by this that I then learned about the field of yoga therapy. So mm. first things first is I decided to study yoga as a teacher only because I wanted to know more, not because I thought I would ever teach anybody anything, but my left brain was like, I need more, I need more. <laughs> I need yeah. to understand this. And then when I heard about the field of yoga therapy and that I could actually take the lessons of yoga and study them more deeply to help individuals with all types of symptoms, illnesses, and diseases, and also learn more about myself, I decided I needed to study further. And that is where my yoga therapy journey began. Right there, my own transformation and wanting to help many other populations that I already worked with and wanted to continue to help. And I, I think that's where most people who come to yoga therapy, that's why they're doing it. You know, it's an emerging field. It's, you know, there aren't, millions of jobs out there just yet. Um, and, and people want their own transformation. They want their own healing. They want to know more about this. And that's how most of us end up as yoga therapists, right? Yeah. You, well, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's powerful too, to come at it from that angle instead of of a more intellectual angle, like I'm going to learn this and then I'm going to go do this and make a living. Like that's okay. But I think when it comes from the heart and from experience and from your own organic healing from the inside out, it just has an entirely different flavor to it when you start offering it because you know, it healed you. And, and how long did it take for many of these symptoms to kind of 
subside. Yeah, so they started getting better during regular traditional yoga classes, even that first one-on-one series. Um, as I learned more and more tools through my yoga therapy training, which, you know, as we know, it's a thousand hours at base level over a three-year period, um, over time, and I can't remember exactly when they stopped completely, but within that several year period, all of my symptoms resolved, even the paresthesias, the numbness and tingling in my hands, even the negative suicidal ideation thoughts that I was having about not wanting to be here. Everything went away, all of it. Wow. So, and, and had you was, did you quit your job or were you still? working and being the mother of two small children. Well, it's interesting. So what happened was the last few, I practiced radiology for 15 years. And in the last few years, I really was very unhappy, right? So I was not only unhappy in, in all that I described and how I was feeling, but over time, I didn't like how medicine was changing in my particular field. We, mm. we started out with actual films in our hands. We were in a reading room with lots of doctors. It was very gregarious and intellectually stimulating and then different teams would come down and we had a very collaborative way of diagnosing and treating patients. And then during my fellowship, um, which was you know, right after my residency, I was at a hospital. We were the beta site for the very first PACS unit, which is when everything went digital. Mm. So the digital age started to creep in. And after so many years in practice, we were no longer on film and we were only digital. And what that turned into was radiologists alone talking into a voice activated transcription machine, reading cases off of a computer that clinicians can have the results immediately as soon as you finish. And it was very isolating. And it was also very difficult because you didn't have all of that interaction and information that you had when you were discussing cases. So you were reading in a vacuum and it was really just a hamster in a wheel is what it felt like over time. So my field changed tremendously. There were lots of other things going on as well in the medical field that was changing. And I was very unhappy with my job and I wasn't liking the way that I was being treated in several different ways as well. Mm -hmm. So I started working with a coach who was a physician herself and who didn't like practicing medicine and started helping other physicians find non-clinical work so much so that she made an entire business out of it. Wow. So I was working with this coach and she kept saying to me, well, what do you love? And she's giving me information like maybe you should go review medical records and maybe you should go work and do expert testimony and maybe you, know, you could work for an insurance company and none of those things made my heart happy. I could make a lot of money doing them, but I, nothing made me excited to wake up in the morning to do that. So I kept saying, well, you know, I'm just studying this yoga. I'm taking these classes and I'm really finding that I'm getting better. And she said, well, I've never had a client who did that. <laughs> and she rolled her eyes <laughs> and she, you know, well, I have to tell you, this was before the internet. Okay. I mean, this was, be we were only emailing and talking on the phone. This was before we had zoom before we yeah. had anything where we could actually see each other, right? There were no iPhones. So we would talk on the phone or we'd email. So if she was rolling her eyes, I couldn't see them. It's very possible that she was doing the eye roll, but she said, you know, I, I all I kept coming back to is wellness and helping people heal and people preventing and reversing what they were feeling. And instead of this disease management system that's happening, you know, can I come from it at the other end? And 
you know, I couldn't, I didn't really have the foresight at the time to know where I am now, but I just had this inkling that I wanted to do something else. And so we worked together for about a year or so, and I really couldn't come to a specific job that she was recommending for me, but she was very supportive in telling me that I should go out and do whatever I wanted. And what happened then is that the medical practice where I was working lost a hospital contract, which mm-hmm. meant we had five extra doctors in the system. And because I was part-time, I was not a partner, I did not have my contract renewed. It had nothing to do with how good I was um, mm-hmm. or, or my intelligence or the huge following I had or anything. It was a business decision. And at that point, I had to make a choice. Do wow. I want to work for another medical practice? Do I take a lateral move or is this an opportunity for me to pursue what I've been thinking about, which is helping others heal in a different way, doctoring in a different way, you know, going on and studying to become, you know, a yoga therapist, studying meditation, studying other things that interest me. And that was the road that I chose. I said, you know, okay. There's a lot of radiologists out there. And even though I had surgeons crying in my office saying, you're the only person I want to bring my cases to. How can you not not be here? You're the only person I want to do my procedures. I I said, I'm sorry for that, but I have a different calling, you know, and I was fortunate that my husband was still working, that I could actually take the time to educate Mm -hmm. myself. And I knew that if I stayed in medicine, I could not possibly get the education that I wanted and really digest it and put the time in for my own transformation so that I could also help others. You know what, what it's making me think when I listen to this story is you had a lot of little knocks on the door from your health to the suicidal ideations. I mean, these are not small knocks to your company saying you'll no longer be needed at this time. I mean, many things. And and then I heard you say, I didn't have the foresight to even know that the field of yoga therapy was developing and that there would be potentials for you, but you went with your heart. You, you listened to something deep inside of you. You know, we go back to yoga sutra 1.3, you know, that's Farupe, that feeling of there is something for me to do in this world. And you followed it thank goodness you had the support of your husband and family to do that. But I think so few people go inward. Most people are looking out there for how can I make money? What's the opportunity? If I put out this newsletter, if I put out that class, if I get bites, I'll go in that direction. And and that's exactly not what yoga says. Yoga says, go inward and listen. And I feel like what you did really exemplifies that. That's such interesting insight. Yeah, it's true. I didn't even think about, you know, I have to get to that point B, you know, my whole life up until that point was you do, you go to college, you go to med school, you go to internship, you do residency, your fellowship, you get a job. And everything was very, very laid out for me. And I couldn't really see, I didn't have that next thing nothing was defined. You know, it was just, and it's still not, I mean, I guess people calling (laughs) us to come to yoga therapy school all the time. And they're asking me what, what is the definitive thing that I get to do when I'm done and how much money will I make? And it's just not that clear yet that 
good thing about that is it's emerging and we get to be a part of the emergence, which is very, very rare in a field that you get to be a pioneer at the start and actually put your two cents in to help shape the field. You know, most fields that you go into, all that's already been done. So there's, you know, a difficult side to it, but I also think there's a beautiful side, which kind of brings us to what you're doing. You're teaching medical doctors how to live stress-free and thrive. Mm. So tell us about how did that come to be then? Yeah. So after yoga therapy training and I went on to study I rest, I, I really loved that type of meditation because it was very secular and culturally safe and evidence-based. And there's it's it's got a whole methodical way of 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 its inner workings. And so um I knew that I wanted to work with individuals who had trauma and stress, having so much in my own life. I didn't get into it. I don't need to, but my childhood was rather traumatic. So really, you know, so much of the yoga therapy, just the actual certification training process was healing for me from the time I was a child, all the way into the point of what I experienced that I described to you as a medical doctor. So I was, you know, first uh, saying to myself, well, what population do I want to first work with? And initially it was people of cancer because I spent so much time diagnosing cancer. And although patients would give me gifts and they would, you know, just thank me and give me hugs and say, I saved their life. I watched all the physical, the emotional, the psychological debilitation that would happen after I diagnosed their cancer. Like I knew from the moment I said, you have cancer, their life was completely changed. And I would actually go home and cry. I cried to my husband, like, oh my gosh, you know, I know it was just so, I couldn't let go of that because I said, well, what else can I do to help them? Yeah. And so the first thing uh, I did was that I wanted to work with the cancer population. I went on to study further how to do just that. I took a few different trainings. I said with Tari Princeton and, and I, I was able to start classes and sessions for people of cancer. And I wanted to help our military veterans because I spent a lot of time with the VA when I was a medical student and intern and resident. And I was always told to give Mr. Jones in room 405 some, you know, pill because he's acting out again. Right. And what we've come to understand was that Mr. Jones was just having a normal experience, a normal response to an abnormal situation that he had encountered when he was serving for our country and that he didn't need medication to be snowed. He needed to learn how to process what he had experienced. And so wanting to work with our military veterans was another piece. And, and then of course, you know, just helping anyone and everyone because that's what we want to do. Right. And those were the initial populations. And I went on to study further trauma-informed yoga therapy with Genevieve Yellen, who Um, was studying in the same uh, integrative yoga therapy training that I had and joined her faculty and started Mm -hmm. teaching other mental health care professionals and yoga professionals. And all the while while I was doing this, I was helping physicians. They were taking my courses. I was doing workshops, but they were just integrating into the stuff I was already doing. And what I was hearing a lot of was, that was amazing. Can you make a video? Like, I, I want to, I, I can't remember what you just taught me, or I can never make it to anything you're doing. Can you make some kind of video that I can watch, that I can learn from you? And I was like, no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> how the heck do you do that? 
right? No, I'm just going to show up in this person. This must have been pre, pre-COVID. <laughs> this is pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID, right? I just want to let people know, you know, what, what happened up until that point. And then COVID happened, right? And COVID hit us really hard. And I will say that before COVID, 50% of physicians were burned out. 80-something percent of them were depressed. And the suicide rate was twice the national average, right? So we were already in pain yeah. and struggling. Medical students at that point, pre-COVID, 25% of them were somewhere on the depression scale. 11% has suicidal ideation. And only 15% of those affected were seeking help, which means 85% of medical students who were suffering were not getting help. This was pre-COVID. So when COVID hit, I just had this thought that we are only going to escalate and get worse. Like yeah. everything that we, that's already so bad is going to be skyrocketing high. So you knew that right away. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it, we've all yeah. come to understand that our healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, physician mm-hmm. assistant, you know, wow. Yeah. The, the pressure they're under, but you knew it from the start, it sounds like. Yeah, because we were already working in what we consider a broken healthcare system. And now we have a pandemic on our hands, right? And we, this is something we'd never experienced. And so I just saw everything shutting down. I watched my colleagues, you know, completely changing their lives. You know, my best friends having to not sleep in their own home or sleep in a different room or come home and change the clothes in the garage. And, you know, just their whole lives were completely separate, you know, and changed. And it was, it was just unbelievable what was going on. And so at that point I said, you got to put your big old pants on. And, you know, physicians have been asking you for years and you, you need to give them what they need. They're busy people. They don't have a lot of time and they're only going to get sicker. So I started researching some courses to educate myself on how to create that online content. Yeah. And that's what I did. I went on to learn how to create online content, create videos, create audios, get all the equipment that I needed, how to edit them, you know, how to compress them, how to put them in a funnel, how to get them up on the web so that they can actually be utilized. Which that in and of itself, people, at least a lot of people I know are so terrified of that. You know, we have that 11 month business course that we offer and even with the support and the community and all the resources, people are frozen. It's like in their mind, they think I can't do this. So I might as not well try. There's like a jackal barking at them saying, you can't do it. So what was it that got you to just do it? Was it because you saw the suffering and wanted to help? Yeah. So this is interesting. So up until this point, I felt really like I've gained amazing expertise in learning how to balance my autonomic nervous system and teach others how to do so. Mm -hmm. Right. But there was still that managing your mind component. All those thoughts you described, I can't, I don't know how to figure it out. I'll never be able to do it. While I was in this other course, feeling all of those obstacles and all those brick walls that you're talking about, creating the content, this is this two summers ago, 
right? Summer of 2020, right? I heard about this one Facebook group that was run by a female physician for other female physicians. And there were thousands of female doctors in there. And I got into this Facebook group and I heard about coaching, life coaching. And there were female physicians coaching other female physicians. And when I learned about it and how basically life coaching is kind of having a personal trainer for your brain, if you could think yeah. about it that way, I said, wow, that's a missing piece that I need because I know how to regulate my nervous system, but I really don't know how to manage my mind. So I went into this life coaching program and it was amazing two months of me really learning how to work with my thoughts. And as I was learning how to work with those thoughts, I was able to create the program that I needed for the healthcare mm-hmm. professionals. And then I went on to become certified as a, as a life coach because I wanted to add that piece, that piece of teaching others how to work with their thoughts. And so I created the program and it is a program that is a combination of online content taught to physicians in very short digestible bites. I've asked the busiest of physicians, what's the least amount of time you have in any given day? And they say, "Eh, 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, I got you. So I made all of the lessons 15 minutes or less. Some of them are five minutes, some of them are seven minutes, whatever they are, they're about the 15 minute range. And I created very organized modules because physicians are very organized. They're box checkers. Everything has to be really this, 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 right? Trying to think through the eyes of a physician, how does a physician learn? How are they going to absorb and digest this content and use it? And and I took what I learned in yoga therapy and what I learned in meditation and I created bite-sized lectures and video experiential lessons for them to learn, whether it be breathing, whether it be movement. I studied somatic movement with Eleanor Criswell is amazing. So somatics um, and meditation, you know, guiding them in meditations, shorter meditations as we go on, some longer meditations. And then at the end of each module, there was a one hour lesson that incorporated all of the lessons of that module. So there was only one really long, if you want to call it, hour lesson. And then I decided that the mindset work needs to come in too. So we have weekly group coaching, which is live virtual and private coaching with me where we work on the thoughts. The next piece was, well, I want physicians to get credit for learning how to take care of themselves. So I was very lucky to be here in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a very forward-thinking community, and UNC, our local hospital, Mayhek, welcomed me with open arms. And through several, several weeks of working together, months of working together, we were (laughs) able to get CME, Continuing Medical Education, credit for my program. And that way, physicians are able to actually get it paid for so they can get it paid for. So financially, it shouldn't be an issue you know, in terms of, you know, learning how to take care of themselves and finding that huge missing piece of education that we were never provided in medical school through this program. So this is under the umbrella. As you said, how did you get here? I created Stress-Free MD. And this is one of the offerings under that umbrella of Stress-Free MD. What I love about this story, and I hope Everyone is listening very carefully, like listen to a chunk of what Robin's saying, stop the tape, figure out your own version of that. Listen to another two minutes, stop the tape, 
because what you've done, and I don't, I don't know if you took a business course to do this or if you just intuitively knew, but you got into the mind of your ideal client. You gave it to them in a way they can understand. And you thought very specifically about how do they want to receive this? And I think that it sounds so simple, but number one, it's really hard to even choose an ideal client that you want to work with. And then number two, I don't know why you would think yogis would be good at this, but getting into the mind of another and really looking at it from their eyes is a very difficult thing is what I'm finding with our business students. And, you know, to hear you say that they want things organized, they want things in 15 minute chunks. That is so important because I think what a lot of yoga therapists who are trying to build their business out there, they want to say it in the words that they like. They want to say it in the bite-sized chunks that they want. They want to market, you know, their fancy way of doing it. I don't know why it's so hard to think through the eyes of your clients. So how did you do that, Robin? Was it natural or how did you like put your mind in the place of a physician who's experiencing burnout? I mean, I know you went through it, but is there, was there any trick that you could play to kind of get into their head? Well, their head was my head, you know, and um, I ask, and I have to tell you that this was, I've been in this space for about 10 years now. And it was a process. And I spent many years hearing a lot of no's. I initially created Yoga Heals for Life, which was my first business. And nobody was interested in that, right? And was they, that the timing or you just hadn't really figured out the message clearly yet? Using the semantics that your perfect client needs to hear is very important. When I created Stress-Free MD, they see themselves in that. They know clearly what that is. Something about stress for doctors. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? Now, do I teach them yoga therapy? Yes. Do I teach them meditation? Yes. You know, But I'm also speaking in physiology. I'm speaking in anatomy. I'm teaching a lot of the why the why behind everything. And one of the, the main things that I hear all the time is I love that you explain how all this stuff works. The mechanism you know, I love behind it. it. Right. Because even though, you know, we know it works and there's all this literature that works, right? No, tells us that it works. As doctors, we need to understand the why. We need to know the physiology behind our breath we need to know the physiology behind our movement. We need to understand neuroplasticity with respect to, you know, how our brain changes with meditation. I mean, we need to know that chronic stress is the, the number one cause of most of the diseases in our country and probably the world, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cancer progression, and growth, that it's robbing ourselves of our longevity. It shortens our telomeres prematurely. Like when I talk to doctors and I explain to them in that language, they understand they're all ears. And so it's, it's really getting in the head of your client. You have to go back to your why. Well, if you don't understand your client, they may not actually be your client, right? right? You need to actually think about your why. And I, I almost felt this sense of selfishness 
that I knew what they needed and I've known it for so many years, but I wasn't sharing it. And I had to find a way to share it in a way that they would understand, in a way that they would be interested and, and want to know more and want to help themselves. And not everyone says yes, but a lot more people are saying yes when I started to talk their language and really meet them where they were. And I think that's really, really important. It's such a good message. And it sounds so simple, but like you said, you had tried, you know, a different business name and you didn't get bites for quite a long time. And I see that quite often. And then people just kind of bail and think, oh, this isn't going to work. There's something wrong with me or these people don't want to spend money. And it's actually not true. If people feel you can help them, they will move mountains to come work with you. Yeah, it's so true. And the virtual space, I've had doctors in five different time zones. It's been amazing. You know, I've got doctors from Alaska. I've got doctors all the way here in North Carolina. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And, you know, one of my coaches said to me, it's not lack of resources. It's lack of resourcefulness. Mm. It's not lack of resources. It's lack of resourcefulness. And that really stuck with me. So what does that mean to you? I I really want you to unpack. Yeah, that. that for me meant all that. I can't do it. I don't know how. I'll never be able to figure it out, right? There was a lot that went into what I had to learn in my (laughs) mid-50s to be able to create everything that I did. And when you say to yourself, okay, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to find out how. And whether that's watching a YouTube video or getting on the phone or on a chat with live customer service, do it. You can do it. Everything is figure outable. You just got to figure it out right? That's your in the same boat. You know, I, I'm in my mid fifties and I think, did I want to figure out all this tech? No. Am I a one woman show? My husband and I, yeah, that's it. We do everything. And I think some people look at what we're doing and think, oh, they must be wealthy. They probably have all these people. No, this is literally us putting in the blood, sweat and tears to even this podcast. We just, we just do it. So what advice would you give to people who, who just don't have that kind of tenacity? Because that's really what it is, right? That, that you just make a decision, I'm going to figure this out. How, how can we move people to do that? I find it very difficult. And I think it goes back to what you were saying, the mindset work, mm-hmm. the, the, the mental coaching. Mm-hmm. What do you think? That was huge for me, Amy. So, you know, the, the, a simple way of explaining how we work with our mind is that we think our circumstances determine how we feel. So it's, you know, the program, having to create the program is making me stressed and anxious and giving me these blocks, right? But the program is actually neutral. It's the thought about the program that's causing me to feel stressed and anxious, right? Because someone else might look at that and say, oh, that's no problem. I got that, right? So when we start to separate out facts from thoughts, and this is something I had never done in my life, really, really start to think about what's going on in your brain. And is that true? Asking yourself, is that true? 
Is that really true? It's amazing what you realize. And when you can separate out circumstance from thought, fact from thought, and start to really see what's going on, you can realize that those 60,000 thoughts your brain is telling you all day long, most of them are not very nice and most of them are not true. That's 100% right. (laughs) Yeah. So it was that life coaching piece that I felt for me really pulled me through when I was working and, and studying and taking courses and spending hours with customer service, which I still do, you know, on how to figure stuff out. And when you have the mindset of, okay, I'm going to be curious about that. How do I create a scheduler where people can actually book a call with me? Right. How do I do that? How do I get an email service that's going to be automated so people can get my emails? How do I connect that to my website, right? How do I do any of this? You know, all these things. If you start to look at it with this curiosity and openness and resourcefulness mindset of, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find someone who can help me. Um, it's going to be okay. I always tell myself, 11-year-olds figure this out, Amy. You can do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, because they don't think I can't. They just click around or figure it out, right? So so in most of us as adults, we immediately have the default network of I can't, I'm not smart enough, I'm never going to get it. And it's it's just ourselves standing in our own way. And, you know, I like to tell people that, you know, the world needs your gifts, right? So if you aren't giving them to people, (laughs) you know, what is your purpose, right? The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. And this is, you know, the way that you can live a life of purpose is to share your gifts with the world. And getting out of your own way means learning how to work with your thoughts. Um, And everything else is going to fall into place. And you can do anything when you learn how to work with your own thoughts and get out of your own way. I can tell you that with the business students I work with, 100% of the people who take this attitude and just say, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to click around. I'm going to call customer service. They are the ones succeeding in building a business. And the people who are frozen and stuck and thinking, I can't, a hundred percent of them are going nowhere. And I feel terrible, but it's really an inside job. And I always say it is the most difficult yoga, like bringing yourself to the world and fulfilling your Dharma and, and really doing your life purpose. That's the hardest yoga you'll ever do. That's where the rubber hits the road. We study all this, but then somehow we're like, Oh, I can't do it. No. You just have to put into practice all that you've learned. Yeah, can't. Can't means won't. (laughs) Can't means won't. I even have a little sticky note says that. It's so true. And it's it's just about deciding, you know, just deciding, deciding that you're going to do it and that you're going to make it happen. Because the only way to truly fail is to not even try. And another thing is, you know, I'm guilty of this. Maybe you are too. We kind of think once I decide I'm going to do it, I have to be a success in that way that I envisioned. 
And really, I say that could be a practice run. Like, like you working in cancer, I'm sure you learned a whole lot about yoga and technology and running a business and trying to put together a website. And here you are really, really successful in the stress-free MD area, right? So that wasn't wasted, but, but we all have to do that in order to get where we are. And everybody wants to hit a home run on the first try. And it's not uh-huh. actually that realistic. I mean, it does happen for a few people, yeah. but most of us, we have to get up to bat many, many times and strike out and get to first base and then get tagged to go into second before we get that home run. Yeah. And it's, and it's things that it's always unfolding. So you brought up a really great point. We create these, these deadlines in our brain and they're out of nowhere. They're not based on anything. We just create these deadlines. And when we start to realize, um, I was talking about this with one of my physician clients earlier, that sometimes the word no, when you hear no, just means not now. And a perfect example of that is that over a year ago, I was connecting with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which for those of you who may not know, it's a more recent certifying body that focuses on certifying physicians in six lifestyle medicine principles originally built on Dr. Dean Ornish's work of his four main pillars, which are, you know, making sure that you um, get your stress relief, your stress management, Mm -hmm. plus your nutrition and your fitness and the sense of community. And it's built on that and added um, sleep and external substances and really focusing on those six pillars and coming from a reversing and preventing disease versus a disease management of system of what's already happening. And being in the space I am and having practiced these six pillars for so long before they even existed, I wanted in, like, I really wanted to work with them because I started having physician clients that were certified in lifestyle medicine saying, um, how come all this stress management stuff you're teaching isn't in our certification program? Like we're not actually learning any of this. And it got me thinking, well, you know, I'd like to provide that. So I started over a year ago having conversations and I heard a lot of radio silence and we'd have a meeting and then be several months would go by and nothing and nothing, nothing. And as of this past week, I was asked to join their faculty and I am now the subject matter expert for stress management for the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And I was just sent the manual that I'll start working on to create the content for the next board review, for the doctors that are certifying to learn this piece. So I want to tell this story because I want, you know, as you mentioned, things don't happen right away sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And they take time. And so you have to keep putting yourself out there and keep sharing yourself and keep raising your hand. And that no doesn't necessarily mean no. It might just mean not now, right? It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I completely agree. And the way I like to think of it is we're building a body of work and we don't know how it's going to unfold. We don't know who's going to pick it up. We don't know if anybody even will really, I mean, there, there are genius people that didn't actually get famous or their work didn't make a difference until after they were passed away. We, We really don't know. But if it's in our heart and we just keep building this body of work because it feels good and it's the right thing to do, I think that's really the best we can hope for. And then if you get an opportunity, like you just said, 
Hallelujah. That's like the icing on the cake, right? Yeah. Some great icing, but look, I had a lot of mind drama around that. You know, sometimes, you know, in your heart that you are the person for that, whatever it is, right. But you can't always see that maybe that actually wasn't the right time. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, it was a year ago, but they didn't have this position and I've gained an entire more years worth of of education and experience and knowledge in working with all the physicians that now actually I can bring so much more to the table right now than I could a year ago. Sometimes it it actually isn't supposed to be that time, right? We just can't see it. Yeah. That whole idea in yoga of kind of doing your best and letting go of the outcome. And I, I think, you know, it does boil down to some privilege if if you have the time and space to keep building the body of knowledge and keep working hard and maybe you don't have to have that second job or something you know like i think we have to admit that too i've i've worked at a university full time for 25 years so that i could pay my bills basically right it's been really hard work to have two full time things but that's what i had to do And now this May, I'm going to retire. I just put in my retirement after 25 years because I finally have the space to just focus on one thing. And so that's the other thing. I I think a lot of yoga therapists and yoga teachers have this fantasy that they're not going to have to work that hard. They're just going to go around and teach yoga and everybody's going to show up. And it may be that you need an entire second career to support your dream of really getting it out there until you can de-link from the old career and, and go forward in the new career. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's hard. It's really it hard to hear. Hard. It is hard. And multiple streams of income. I mean, doctors are losing their jobs left and right, right? Doctors are losing their income. Doctors are working for less than my, what my kids are making, some of them. I mean, really. So they have had to come up and get creative with different ways of bringing in income. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. Right. So, you know, being able to have multiple streams of income, whether you're want to teach yoga or yoga therapy or whether you're a doctor, it's important to be, you know, as 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 balanced and and yeah, nimble and, you know, to stay open to different things so that you can live the life that you want. You don't have to be a one trick pony. Right. You can do multiple things and that's okay. doesn't mean that you're a failure in the one thing. It's okay. Right. And I think that's the future. You know, we see that with the Gen Z generation that it's not going to be like, you know, we were, we were lamenting the other day, like, can't we go back to the 1980s <laughs> where you had this one job for a lifetime and it paid your pension and you had full healthcare benefits and one person in the family could work like, I'm sorry, we're not there anymore. This is going to be a whole new world as we move forward into yeah. 2030, you know? Yeah. But if we can look at that from like an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset, what else can I do? What do I love? What else can I do? Well, what else can I do? Right. Just keep thinking like that. And you'll put yourself in a position where if something doesn't work out, you've got other things, or you can do that yoga therapy practice, that yoga teacher job, because you have these other things in place, which actually will allow you to really enjoy that even more instead of worrying so much about that being your prime source of income, which it'd be wonderful. It can be, but if it's not, that's okay too. 
right? Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And just to be realistic right up front, this is the case. And I love that you said that doctors are even having to do this. Cause I think somehow we think, oh, it's just because I'm a yoga therapist. No, this is happening across the board to everyone. Yeah. And, and what I mentioned earlier, when I gave you the stats of what was happening with doctors pre-pandemic, I have to share with you that 2022 Medscape stats just came out. So before the pandemic, we had 50% of doctors burned out. Now we have four out of five. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so with a million doctors in the country, 800,000 are burned out and over 90% are on the depression scale. They are expecting suicide to go up. Right. So it's, it's just this escalating thing happening and doctors are leaving medicine or they're losing their jobs um, or they're working for very, very little. And so doctors are going out and saying, how can I be resourceful? They're taking real estate courses. They're getting very successful in real estate. That's a big thing doctors are doing right now. You know, wow. they are going out and they're becoming coaches like me. They are doing lots of other things. They're getting very, very creative. They're creating products. You know, they're getting really creative. You know, how can I support my family? You know, how can I keep my income? You know, what else can I do? So you're not alone if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, that you have to, you know, figure out what else you can do if you love yoga or yoga therapy or something else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Multiple streams of income are safe for many, many people, even physicians. Yeah. It's such a, to me, that feels like a relief because it feels like it's not just me or you or, you know, everyone is kind of holding on by their fingernails and doing the best they can and having to get creative, really creative. Yeah. So Robin, what have we not talked about today that you want to, we have maybe five minutes left. What, Mm. what else do you want to share that we haven't really gotten to today? What else? What else? Let me think. I just mentioned to me something about you were training doctors how to have better self-care, but you also Mm -hmm. thought that applied to yoga therapists. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I just gave a talk at the physician coaching summit, which is a conference for physician coaches. And I was talking with Amy about how I really see this parallel in the sense that if you were yoga therapists, we're seeing clients. And if we're physicians and we're coaches, we're seeing clients. And I actually see that process as a three-step process where there's the before the session, there's during the session, and there's after the session. And whether you're a physician coach, whether you're a yoga therapist, a yoga teacher, whether you're even a, a healthcare professional in another way, or you're seeing clients for another reason, you may show up to that session dysregulated, really stressed out. You may be in that session, not having focus and concentration, right? You may be having trouble paying attention to the person that's in front of you. Maybe after the session, you've taken on everything that person's told you And now you can't get rid of it. Like all you can think about is what they told you. And I really saw this parallel in whatever service you're providing to your client is these three parts to that session, the before, the during, and the after. And I'd like to offer to anyone who is 
offering sessions to know that if you feel this way, if you do feel stressed sometimes when you show up, if you are someone who does see clients and you can imagine these three portions to your sessions, right? And you are showing up dysregulated and you are having trouble concentrating and you are taking on your client's stuff and carrying it around with you, then doing your own work is really important. That going back to the tools that you're teaching your clients, you know, whether it's breathing tools, whether it's certain types of movement, you know, whether it's meditation, whatever the tools are in your toolbox, I just taught those tools to physician coaches so that they can show up in a way that's calm and balanced so that they can keep their attention on their clients. So they can actually relieve what they're carrying when they're, we call getting in the pool with your client where you're just in there and you, you can't get out, you're drowning with them. So my advice would be to do your own work, right? To, to use your own tools to heal yourself, that this stuff isn't just for your clients, but it's for you. Yeah. Of course, that sounds so obvious, but when we get stressed <laughs> yeah. out, we, we lose it like everyone else, right? That's right. We have human brains and our human brains do human brain things, right? So we are not perfect. I mean, I have a podcast and I talk about this stuff all the time and people are saying to me, well, you're the stress-free MD here. And they call me the self-care doctor. You're the self-care doctor, right? I said, I have a human brain too. <laughs> so my human brain talks to me in a way that your human brain talks to you. It, the well, difference tell us is, about yeah. that podcast because yeah. I saw, I mean, you've been doing it about six months now. Yeah. I started it last August. And the name and, exactly um, is? The Stress-Free MD Podcast. <laughs> Keep it simple. And is that yeah. on major podcast platforms yeah. or you're okay? Yeah. It's on all the major platforms. Um, it came about because I was working with a business coach who was saying, you know, you need to share your information. People need to hear what you have to say in a more global way. You know, you can mm -hmm. keep helping the people that find you or helping the people that, that you're working with, but so many people need to hear what you have to say. And she said, I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. You can blog, you can start a YouTube channel, or you can have a podcast. And she said, before you say anything, I'm going to tell you that if you're worried about any of the tech, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. So I'm going to take that off the table. I don't want you to tell me you can't do it because there's tech involved. I said, all right. So she said, well, what do you love? I said, well, I'll tell you what I hate. I don't like writing. <laughs> I said, I do it when I have to. I've, I've published papers and things. I just, I don't really love writing. And I don't think docs are really going to be popping on a YouTube channel necessarily, but I know a lot of them are going to listen in their car when they're driving to work, when they're, when they've got time in between patients. And I said, you know, I love the idea of a podcast because it's very accessible. I already do so much speaking. I already present so much at conferences and things and I'm teaching. And she said, okay, I got you. All right. So we're going to, we're going to use a session. I'm going to tell you what you need to do for the podcast. And, and then off you go. And so that was the beginning of the podcast. Now, let me tell you, it was several months of me pontificating about this and finally saying yes to myself. Okay. It did, wasn't just okay. The next day, I really gave it a lot of thought. I'm giving you the short version, but I didn't look back and it's been amazing. And 
I, I was in Mexico in December and somebody was like, oh my gosh, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> you know, like, oh, wow. I mean, just the fact that you can reach people anywhere right. and that it just like, you know, right. We've, you have this huge international following. Um, so that's where the podcast was born. And again, focusing on my perfect client, focusing on doctors, how they learn best. I decided to keep it simple and short. And I come up with very short, accessible evidence-based tools they can learn and implement right away. And that means anybody can listen to this, but I'm trying to talk to my client, right? I'm trying to talk to them. And so that is how the podcast was born and it's still going. And uh, it's just me for most of the episodes. I bring one expert physician on the third week of each month who talks about a specific stress-related topic. And it's been wonderful. And for anyone out there, I want you to know it's been an amazing networking tool as well. I've met amazing humans. I've had incredible opportunities. A lot of what I'm doing, people have found me from my podcast or found me because I've posted about my podcast. And um, I think it's, it's an incredible tool in so many ways. So that's, that's where that was. Oh, if you're, if you're looking at this, we have a video version of this podcast on YouTube. I've pulled up. Robin's website, which is www.stressfreemd.net. And she has a, a menu item for her podcast where she has uh, different episodes here. But I also was commenting to Robin that her website and how she's put it together and really gotten very clear about who her clients are and what their pain points are and how they can work with her it's so simple. This website is so beautiful. And then you have some free offerings so they can get to know you a little bit, join the physician's self-care community, private Facebook group, learn calming breathing tools, uh, relieving neck pain, meditation classes. I just think you've done such a great job. And, and you said this before, if people don't hear about you or know about you, they can't benefit from you. Right. And that's why anybody listening, you know, what I learned is it's really important to offer some free material so that people can connect with you. It doesn't mean you're giving away all the secret sauce, mm -hmm. but you need to give them enough that they can understand what you're offering them. That's why I have free videos on my website. I have, you know, the podcast is free. I have a free webinar, you know, different things so that people can actually connect with you in different ways and, and understand if you're a good fit and, and if you can help them. So is there anything coming up that you're doing that you'd like to tell us about? Or oh, wow. is your clientele mainly <laughs> physicians? So yeah, my clientele now, because I did, you know, really pivot admit mostly physicians and healthcare professionals. I started retreats. I actually ran my first retreat for physicians this past weekend, which wow. was amazing. I had about a dozen anesthesiologists, this female anesthesiologist who wants another one, which is so good. Um, I have partnered with a local lifestyle medicine a physician who was actually the first certified physician in our country who has left mm. his cardiology practice to start a lifestyle medicine practice. And we have created, we call it self-care for healthcare, a lifestyle medicine workshop. And we are uh, offering that through our hosp local hospital. Um, that's going to be coming up. 
And I think we were talking about just, you know, being invited to present other people's programs. I'm going to start actually a program with another physician who specializes in medical malpractice, right? And what do they need? Stress management. So it's really lots of things kind of percolating and coming up and it's all very exciting. Our own Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, Mm -hmm. has a national agenda now for physician well-being. So I actually had a meeting with his chief of staff and I'm really, really hoping that he had said he's going to connect me with the individual in charge of strategic operations on this area who's working to figure out what we can do to help doctors. So I'm hoping that's going to come into fruition and, and be something where I can help at a more national level. So lots of really wonderful things, just staying open and curious and and saying yes a lot. (laughs) I want to just say that it's important to be comfortable in the discomfort. That was something else one of my coaches said to me is that you're going to be very uncomfortable with all this new stuff. Yeah. And so I want to offer you that getting comfortable in being uncomfortable (laughs) just means that you're at the edge of your comfort zone and that something really wonderful is going to happen. Well, thank you, Robin. I think everything you've told us today is so inspirational and, and just makes me feel like there's hope for all of us. If we're willing to put in the effort and stay open and tackle those negative thoughts that are telling us we can't. And I just want to thank you for number one, spreading the word about yoga therapy to all the physicians, because not only will it help them, but then they'll start recommending it to their clients. So I think you're, you're kind of doing double duty there to help spread the field of yoga therapy. And I am so happy that you are having such great success. Well-deserved. Well, thank you. It's really, you know, just being that instrument by which other people can take care of themselves is is what this is all about, right? Um, I think it was Maimonides that said, the greatest form of giving is helping another individual help themselves. And that's what we do, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Robin. Where can people find you if they want to connect? Yeah, the easiest way would be through my website, stressfreemd.net. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they can reach me there. Um, They can connect with me, send me a message. I'm also all over social media. So if you're a Facebook person, an Instagram person, a LinkedIn person, I'm there. I'm also on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter, but more on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So reach out. And is it always stress-free MD or sometimes is it Robin Tiger? Yeah, it's Robin Tiger MD on, on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Instagram, it's stress-free MD. Yeah. And that's Robin with a Y. Robin with a Y. Yeah, I'm a 60s baby. So my mom decided I needed to have my name really funky spelled. So <laughs> Robin with a Y, tiger, just like the animal. That is my name. And it's the year <laughs> of the tiger, right? I was just it is. On, on, I was just told it's the year of the tiger. So I'm feeling really like, yeah, this is my year. <laughs> it's everyone's year. So go yeah. do it. Everybody go out and do it. Yeah. So that's a wrap with Robin Tiger. And I just felt that Robin was so generous with us to share all that she's learned. It's so clear to me that she has gotten very professional level coaching, both in her yoga training, but it's a whole nother level 
to get trained as a business person and to figure out if you're going to do a podcast or a YouTube channel or a blog and to have that challenge and to have your coach tell you, you have to do one of these three things. Also, you know, looking at all the different avenues that she's getting herself into the local hospital. And then she's talking to the chief of staff at a national level. She's offering herself up to be a nationally known speaker. I want to show you a one pager that she sent for those of you who are watching the video version of this, which is on YouTube, you can see this, you know, she, she says, I'm Robin Tiger, MD, the self-care doctor. I'm a physician, a trauma-informed self-care coach and a podcaster. And then she goes on to state her mission is to empower physicians with self-care tools backed by science and research with physician burnout on the rise. Robin knows firsthand what it's like to love your job while also coping with stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. So goes into her history. And then she has this beautiful thing at the bottom that says topics I love to share about my burnout journey and how I saved my life, the gigantic gap in medical school education, self-care formulas every physician needs to know, four different ways you can work with your own breath, why stretching doesn't work to relieve chronic tension in your body and what does work, how physicians learn best and on and on and on. So she's really highlighting like, Hey, here's the things I can come talk about. She makes it easy for someone to hire her. (laughs) They get this one pager, they see her background, they see the things she loves to share about. And then on the left-hand side, it's, I've been featured on the podcast, Kevin MD, which is a huge podcast, Doctors Unbound, Talk to Me Doc, Rx for Success, Curate Your Health, The Art of Medicine, You Are Not Broken, Female Physician Entrepreneurs. I mean, she goes on and on. This one page gives so much information. Anyone who's looking for someone to come in and work with healthcare workers, they're going to look at that and say, yes, she has made it easy for me to say, yes, how do I get a hold of this woman? I'm emailing her and they're probably going to hire her, right? This is the kind of mentality that many of us have to get in. If we're going to make a difference in the world, it's not enough to learn just yoga. It's just not, it's sad. You know, there are some people that can do that because they're financially independent or they have a second source of income or their partner is willing to contribute a major part of the finances to allow them that. I think that's wonderful. If people can do that, you are blessed. You go for it. But for a lot of us, we are working on a shoestring budget. We're trying to build websites. We're trying to figure out how to do a podcast. We're trying to figure out how to create a landing page and send out newsletters. Robin and I are both kind of one woman shows where we, we just try to, you know, piece it together as best we can. And that's kind of the challenge. And so I think a lot of you out there have to get your head around that, that this is the future it's here. And, you know, you might need some help. I use Adam from Nirodha Productions, and I'm willing to share him with you. If you'd like to get a hold of him, I can make that happen because he specializes in yoga and yoga therapy. But for the most part, it's me and my husband and a few people that are helping us. And that's it. And we do a whole lot of good in the world with a very, very small team. 
So I want you to get the proper mindset that you can do this. It's not impossible. You're, you're not too old. Robin was, was telling me age is just a cage. <laughs> that was her quote. You cannot let yourself think, I can't do this. That's just not an option. She also was telling me at the end of the show, a part that you didn't hear that she had her telomeres read, you know, your telomeres are basically telling you your, your biological age. And even though she was 52 years old, her telomeres believe she's 36, right? So again, age is just a number. It doesn't mean anything. And I think we all have to take this challenge in order to serve the world, in order to get out there and do great work in the world. So I wish you well. If you need mindset coaching, come to me. (laughs) I can help you. And there's a whole lot of other people that also can help you. And I think once you get the proper mindset, you will be ready to tackle this and really make a difference in the world. All right. Have a great day. Our gift to you is to give you a free infographic each week that you listen to the podcast. If you go to the show notes, you'll see a link where you can sign up and find the categories that you're interested in, like mental health or physical health or social justice. And whenever we have an infographic that is in that category, we'll send it to you weekly. Thank you for listening to our show today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share the episode with a friend or colleague. We're so grateful you're willing to share. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.